and welcome to another episode of The Kosh Cast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is here. Hello, hello. And joining us today, a very special guest, Fernando Duarte, Guardian, columnist, BBC, BBC Mundo, UOL, ESPN. Have I missed anything? Probably. Uh, you probably have, but don't worry, man. I used to be such a thought. I used to be everywhere that would pay me. Okay. <laughs> who, who, is you know. who is it? Who is it? I work for the yeah, I work for the BBC World Service and, and nowadays, you know, uh, to to a part called Central Services. We produce content to all the languages, and sometimes the sports guys to get me to to do this stuff. So it's it's nice. It's all right. Can I can I say that I was when I was doing my research on you, and I, I, I typed you up in Google. And the first thing I saw was, so in Nigeria, we have a street slang called Pigeon English, and BBC is translated into Pigeon. And I saw your name on the article, but everything was in Pigeon. At first, I was like, what? What? And it, it didn't make sense. Like, I understand it, but it didn't make sense. I was like, why is Fernando doing, oh, I see. Uh, it's, okay. it's part of the job, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and they usually get a lot of the articles. In the World Cup, they, when I was there for the BBC, they they. They did a lot, especially when you talked about the absence of uh, black managers in the World Cup. I mean, almost a total absence. You, you only had Alou Cisse at the time. We managed to score an interview with Kalusha Bwaila talk, talking about that. The great Zambian hero mm-hmm. of, of Zambian football. The guy who put four goals past Italy <laughs> in the Olympic Games. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's... It's a good gig. It's, it's, I write. I end up writing much more about other subjects than football. But being a sports writer, starting as a sports writer as I did, it never goes out of the system. You know, you always uh, there. Some and and I love football. It's it's in my DNA, not the way I wanted. I wanted to be my DNA in terms of ability, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in my DNA in terms of passion, and I'm never too far away from it. Perfect, perfect. And um, you. Uh... You used to be on, so I first heard you on Guardian Football Weekly, I think. Um, what, I, okay, I'm going to ask you, and you can very much choose not to answer if you want, but what happened with that? Guardian Football Weekly was an amazing experience. It was my my arrival in the British press. It was the first time they noticed me as a guy who could speak about those things without just being the token guy, oh, I need to find a Brazilian, let's get this guy. It opened amazing doors for me. I'm always going to be very thankful for the Guardian for everything for everything they did for me. I mean, they, I got to cover a World Cup writing for an English newspaper in my country. Where I've always read the Guardian. It was the first newspaper I read in, in in English. I mean, apart from the New York Times in America, but in terms of like in, in in the UK, it was a dream of mine to write for those guys because their ideas kind of like go with me. I am a lefty, you know, moderate for some things, but most. In essence, I'm, 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 a, I'm a liberal, as you guys would say, in, in North America. So I'm always going to be grateful for those guys and, and you know, wonderful opportunities. They actually paid my bills for such a long period of time <laughs> when I was a freelancer, a, a mere freelancer. So um, I think what happened is that after the World Cup in Brazil, the demand for to have a Brazilian guy all the time on board reduced, reduced a bit, you know, decreased a bit. And also, I got hired by the BBC. I, I started getting, uh, not hired formally, but I started working for the BBC. So it was a conflict of uh, of agenda, of, not of agenda, sorry, of shadows. Yeah, no, no interest now because, uh, I mean, I could still be doing stuff for them. Mm-hmm. But then 
I would be competing with the BBC at some points as well. So as long as it wasn't something that, that, that we wouldn't be going across uh, against what the BBC could be doing, it was okay. But it, it just, it, I think it was, a, it ended at the right time. It was never ended formally. They, they still tried to, to get me to do stuff at, at some points. I did stuff at some point, like list of 100 players and did an interview with Fernandinho right after the 7-1. I mean, on the same year. I remember reading uh, that. Yeah, so it, it was all right. And also the Guardian had a restriction in terms of like uh, funding. No, not bad blood at all. It's a place that I would, uh, we will always treasure, we will always cherish. I still speak with the editor, Marcus, Marcus Christensen. We keep in touch. I speak with the guys there, Sid, uh, Sean. And it, no, no, no bad blood at all. Wicked, wicked. All right. Um, can, I, can I ask a, a question just because, uh, and I think Alex knows where I'm going to go with this. So, <laughs> There are four of us on the Koshcast, and one of and one of us, Rache, is enamored with that seven-one, and only because you brought it up. And you know, as a Brazilian, I don't I don't want to hurt you, hurt your feelings today. But I'm I'm just curious as to what the legacy of the seven-one is. Uh, you would think they pr provoked a revolution in terms of tactics and player player you know, academies and player player development. No, it didn't. It's still the same same way. It, it basically, I think the biggest difference is that it opened a bit of, of the eyes of people, the people's eyes, like, okay, if we needed evidence that we're not the runaways best in the world anymore, this is pretty much it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it dawned uh, upon a lot of people that we weren't a country of football anymore. We we're still very respected. We still have a, a massive population and a massive football culture that will sometime, somehow, I think, it will always give us an edge in terms of competing for the honors. It doesn't mean an automatic place in the, in the semifinals or even in the quarterfinals. And as you could see in that World Cup, for example, Brazil were lucky to go to the quarterfinals. You know? mm. in, in 2018, they, they were outplayed by Belgium for most of the game. So I, th I think it, op it opened up the eyes. I, I, I don't think that without the 7-1, what happened with Jorge Jesus coming and taking over Flamengo and running away with the Libertadores and the Brazilian League and so many trophies would have happened. This, this, this opening of the market for, for managers from abroad mm -hmm. would have happened. But in terms of fundamental structure, I, I don't see a massive change. Some clubs have improved, but the national system, if you're going to compare to what Germany did after their... Uh, first uh, group stage ex exit in, in 2000, in the year 2000, that resulted in, in such a good performance in World Cups, including the, the title in Brazil. Nothing like that happened. Mm -hmm. you, you mean that they're not going to hire Jürgen Klinsmann to do a revolution? Because he would take the job if you offered it to him, I'm sure. He's, well, also, he's also, in your words, a tart. So. <laughs> yeah. Jürgen Klinsmann has a very important, I think, part in, in, their, in their machine. Rafa would be the best person to probably have a Honigstein, the best person to, to explain to you guys in there. I, I think he was important as a symbol, as a symbolic thing, but he was never a master tactician and he yeah. worked within a team. But even that for German standards was something different from what I know of German football, that stuff of having Oliver Bierhoff and they, 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 they changed also in, in, within the grassroots system. I recommend you read uh, Rafa's book on the, called Das Boot because yeah, it's, it's much... It's much wider than the sim simply working with the national team. The national team should always be the, the tip of the iceberg. You know, it, it should be like the pinnacle 
but without the base, it was, it's not going to be there. Brazil got away with that for, for, for many numbers of years. You could say that in the beginning because of, of sheer talent and sheer, and sheer lack of information, of exchange of information within the continent. But the, the moment where the, the world caught up in terms of everybody was pretty much aware of what everybody was doing, you see that Brazil's dominance starts decreasing a bit in, 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 in the 80s. Yeah, they, for they just, sure. They just couldn't, couldn't run away anymore with the, with the World Cup. Yeah. The, the, I think there's a similarity there. Not that not that England were ever running away with the World Cup, but there's a similarity in that both countries seem to be fairly insular, insular, at least up until a point, in that for a long time, the English just kind of rejected foreign methods and influence and just plodded along doing their own 442 thing. And like Brazil, as you said, until recently... You know, rejected outside influence as well. You said now they're starting to hire foreign managers, and you really need that. Otherwise, you just get caught like staring at your own navel and, and wondering why everyone else is getting better. Well, and the game starts with if if, if you're going to deny the influence of foreign powers or foreign things in football, you wouldn't have football because the English took it everywhere. Uh, a bunch of journeymen from several countries, especially Hungary, put little seeds of the game in several places, including Brazil. A guy called Bella Gutman started developing the, the, the Brazilian system, the, 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 the 424 has Hungarian roots in a certain way. Hungary in the 50s was the team for everybody to amazing, copy. Apparently. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's uh, I, I, I think when that Szymanski and, and Simon Cooper book talks a lot about that. The nations that tend to be more successful in football are the ones that are more open to the exchange of ideas, which are in the middle of the of, of, the, of what the, the public sphere of football, and England was a bit removed from that. But yeah. also, again, who can blame them? The last of the great empires only mm-hmm. ended in 1947. So I mean, they're not, <laughs> these guys are not used to having, having people them telling what to do. Exactly. <laughs> example being what they did with the European Union referendum. Yep. Very true. Well, that that's a bit too depressing. We're not we're not going to go there. We're gonna, oh, please no. <laughs> we'll move up. But we are going to talk about England in a way, and that we'll, we'll we'll take this over to the to the English Premier League. Um, Fernando, you are based in the UK, um, and so obviously you cover the English Premier League, the Brazilians that play there, the Brazilians that play elsewhere. Um, so, uh, but you're also a huge music fan. So I, I did promise that there would be a tiny bit of a, a music segment. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you three songs. Um, that were in the top 20 in the UK when this last season started, last August. And oh and uh, we, what I want to do is r- bring back an old segment that we used to have called Fraud or Goat, which, which is where we would name a player and then we would discuss whether they were a fraud or a goat, kind of taking the piss out of the social media, uh, you know, landscape, but there you go. So here's, here's the first song, and Bernie, you chime in as well. Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello, Senorita. Fraud or goat? Mumu. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think that, that's the answer that I'm going to go with. Because I don't know that song, Alex. So You don't know Senorita? Okay, listen, I respect these guys. I, I, I respect anybody who, make into, who makes into the music business because it's a cutthroat thing. Even more difficult these days because of the multiplicity of... Uh, of, of avenues you can get into there. There's not much money in there either. I mean, look at people having thousands of plays on, on streaming services and getting peanuts, etc. I just don't like him. <laughs> and he ripped, on, 
he, he ripped some patty off. And that, I mean, you can, the, the listeners cannot see that, but I got the Heartbreakers <laughs> logo yes, tattooed on my arm. Yes. You ripped him, and, and it was such a blatant rip off of a one back down that I said, come on. I'm not a musicologist, and even I could see that all the laws of plagiarism had been broken in there. <laughs> I mean, they have a public. Maybe I'm not their public, but I, I don't like it. I, I, right. I'm going to say fraud in between quotation marks, but definitely not goats. Okay. <laughs> all right. So the, the first Canadian on the list is a fraud. Um, right. Ed Sheeran and Stormzy, take me back to London. Goat. The two guys are goats. Mm-hmm. Okay. Storms is a massive goat for me. I'm not sure about Ed Sheeran when he when he goes into the grime mode, but you know, Ed Sheeran is a genius. I don't Ed disagree is, in is, like is a, a pop is a, songwriting. He's a, a little ginger. He's a little ginger dwarf <laughs> that managed to to, to 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 record amazing songs in any style he wants to do it. You know, I'm not saying that they're all amazing, but the guy can travel. Look, I mean, I'm a Beatles fan. I got the Beatles in my other arm. Paul McCartney, Kanye West. I wanted to basically pick up a screwdriver and do my own ears with that. I love Fernando. I really do. <laughs> Eddie Sheeran can, can navigate for that. And he's friends with Taylor Swift. He gets to record with with uh, with Stormzy, which was a big risk for Stormzy because he had everything <laughs> to lose in that in terms of cred. And, yep. you know, it's, it, I mean, I really like the guy. And Stormzy is a, a genius, you know. I'm yep. not a grime fan, but how can you, how can you deny what this guy is, what this guy represents for the 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 the, 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 the British black community, for the, the for the racial minorities in the UK. You know, honestly, the guy, honestly, yeah, the guy's the guy's is is outspoken. He 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 knows what he's talking about, and he's he's a legend. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, signing reveal videos are usually horrendous, but when United signed Pogba, and they did that Stormzy collaboration. That was amazing. That was, it was so good. Of like our, it just captured our, the moment so well. Of our latest signings videos, we had the Piano Man of Alexis, this and the Bruno <laughs> one. That Stormzy one is the greatest, the greatest reveal video of all time. <laughs> oh, Pogba is, a, I, I have all the time in the world for that guy. I think he's misunderstood. He's nowhere as problematic as Mario Balotelli, and I love Mario Balotelli. Yep. I'll tell you, can I tell a story about Mario Balotelli? Please. Cup, Confederations Cup, Brazil were going to play Italy. And I think it was the group stage too. Yeah, it was in the group stage. So we were in Salvador. And I was with the team. I was, I was working for UOL at that time. We were in the hotel. And then all of a sudden, I went, I went outside. To, I was a smoker at the time. I went outside to smoke. Horrible heat. Because Salvador is very hot, even in winter. And all of a sudden, Mario Balotelli is walking in the middle of the street outside my hotel. I said, what the hell is he doing? He was just visiting a social project that he had in, in Salvador, etc. And the funny thing is, he's being followed by 60 reporters at this media scrum, and he's walking as if nothing had happened. And I was like, oh, my God. Ciao, Mario! And shout, shout, and then he looked back and did the little... Thumbs up, so I, <laughs> so I behaved like a total twat. And, 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 and Mario Balotelli acknowledged me, so it was nice because you know, guys, and especially listeners, don't be fooled. Journalists are massive fanboys, they might not reveal some of them, might behave better than the others, but they're all fans of the game, and we all get really, really, really kind of like ruffled by. by by meeting our heroes. I mean, I, 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 I never called Zico by his name. 
for example. She, I, I never call Pele by his name. Every time I met Pele, I call him King all the time. Mm-hmm. I never call him Pele or Edson or King. You know, Zico is Gallo, I mean, the rooster, and, and things like that. And he never saw Sir Arthur, et cetera. You know? So he's just a bit different. Some some people are going to gonna show the their passion in, a, in, in, a, in their writing only. Some people are going to show the passion in the way they, they talk about their experiences. And I'm not afraid to say... I sometimes pinch myself when I'm getting to talk to these guys, you know, to to have a chat with with, with these guys and say, okay, I see, I, I saw this guy playing when I was a little boy, and I, you know, so many happy moments were happened because of that guy. So uh, that's refreshing it, it, to hear, actually. Yeah, it's really refreshing to hear because I think uh, Alex, Alex, and I have had a few of those moments uh, doing this. And two years ago, we met Andy Cole, and for me, as a United fan, you know, the treble was. Oh, like I, I was a kid in that. Like just seeing Andy Cole was like seeing, you know, the ultimate hero I'd, I'd, I'd met. So I totally understand that that feeling. Yeah, that there's that yeah. this veneer of professional journalists, etc. You can be professional and still love what you do. I, I, I'm 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 good, I'm good friends with Roberto Silva. Like in terms of like having a good relationship, have, have attended uh, events at his house and that kind of stuff. And I told him when we met in the, in the Brazilian team. If, if we have a, we are both immigrants in a different country, it's natural that we gravitate towards each other. But I have a job. I'm never going to speak anything against your, you, your personality because it's not your personality that goes on the pitch. But if you play a bad game, I'm not going to, you know, if, if, if you play a stupid game, I'm going to tell you play a stupid game. Mm-hmm. And, and he always respected that. And to, to, to this day, we, we, we have good conversations. We, we, we speak about check on the health of the families, etc. But that never should never prevent you from laying the boots. Sometimes the, the, the boundaries get blurred. I'm not, I'm not going to say that they never, it had, never, has never happened in the history of the game. But you got, you got to be very careful. It's like, it's like the, my, my favorite movie of all time, Almost Famous. Yes. When, uh, when, when Lester Bang, Philip, Philip Simon Hoffman, tells the Cameron Crowe, these guys are not your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. these guys are going to, you're going to have a very good relationship with, with them, etc. You might even have some kind of friendship, you know, but you got to approach them for what they are to you in, in, in your line of work. So, Fernando, um, I might as well get us sidetracked for a second here because as an Arsenal fan, I, I know that I would not be forgiven by other Arsenal fans if I didn't ask you, um, if you can, if you can reveal anything, uh, how did, Gilberto feel about the end of his time at Arsenal? Did he feel it was premature? Did he feel, uh, you know, when Galas got the captaincy, that was controversial because a lot of people thought it would be him. What, what were his feelings around that? It hasn't made them a total secret. I mean, I did an interview with him for 442 a couple of months ago. It's ages now because the pandemic, you think everything happened mm-hmm. last week, but it's ages ago. Richie was pretty open about that. He didn't like being, being, losing the, the captaincy, especially the way that he that he never got a, uh, he says he never Wenger never actually tell him what was happening. He, he learned from a third party. The players weren't happy either. There was a lot of kind of like resistance to William Gallas because of the Chelsea, the Chelsea connection. He wanted to stay a bit more at Arsenal. Uh, I think they wanted to move him to make him play more as a as a defender, but he wanted to get more time, more playing time for that. The way he left Arsenal is because he just thought that he was not going to be used uh, as much as uh, as he wanted to. 
but he's he's got a connection with the club. He's always he's always checking. You know, he told me he always wants to know what's going on. And uh, when 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 Arsenal was trying to get rid of Wenger properly, he was the first one to say, "I mean, you want to do this? You got to find somebody who knows the club as well as Arsenal does." Yeah, he's he's a good guy who I thought would gravitate a bit closer to Arsenal after Edu came in. But the problem is that he's working as an agent now. Mm. You know, he's got Fred. He's Fred's agent, uh, mm-hmm. Man United's Fred. Uh, well, I'll ask you about that later on. Yeah, I've got I got some questions. So, <laughs> so yeah, of course he he wanted a, a better ending for for his career, but he did he did he made history there. Oh, he was unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. Was part of the, like Edu did as well. Edu was a great... I, I thought Edu was also very badly treated in, by Arsenal in, uh, at some point when he was actually flourishing as a player, assuming the responsibility of, of, of being deployed in, 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 to replace Patrick Vieira when he wasn't playing. And, uh, and there, was, there was a wage problem there. You know, he, he felt constrained by the wage structure and he went to Valencia, which could have been an amazing move for him if... That knee injury didn't happen, and from yeah. that, from there, you know, I, I I don't put them in the same bracket. I think Edu was a, was a good player, yeah. Like you, you're not a bad player if you make it to the Premier League. But Gilberto was something else. Gilberto is one of the heroes, or perhaps one of the unsung heroes of Brazil's 2002 World Title. He fell in the right place. If you think that because of a stupid game of of kickabout, Gilberto without that Gilberto wouldn't be in the first team for Brazil. Would be bizarre. You know the story, right? The starter was Emerson. Roma's Emerson, yeah, former yeah. Juventus player Emerson, yeah. was the captain of the team. And, and he got injured playing, in a kickabout? Yeah, he was playing goalie. At a, at a, I think a day before the, the first match, and he broke his shoulder. And Gilberto got drafted in. Um, That's a good segue to, to talk about the FA Cup and Arsenal. It's perfect. Because you haven't gotten to celebrate on the Koshkast yet, Alex. <laughs> that's true that's true I did have a feeling I did have a feeling that Arsenal were going to were going to win this game and, and David Luiz would take his revenge on Frank Lampard and Chelsea um, but it, it it was it was a very it was a very satisfying win uh, Fernando did you do you watch the FA Cup final? I did watch the FA Cup final with mixed feelings because I how can I explain that I'm not a, the hugest fan of Chelsea I was I, I like I like the fact that they that they have like um, uh, they now are not just buying everybody else. I know that that's because of the ban as well. But they're like players, some some players from the academy are flourishing now. I do think Frank Lampard is a decent manager, not as good as perhaps the English press makes him. But Arsenal, I have a problem with Arsenal supporters. Not you, but, I, but the London <laughs> Arsenal supporters who think that Arsenal invented football in the nineties. When they basically didn't even win as many titles as, as as United, you know, I mean, watching Arsenal play when I arrived in England in, in two thousand one, they were the team that every Brazilian guy should gravitate to. If I didn't have a, a, a connection with Liverpool that stretched way back when I was when I was younger, I saw Flamengo playing them in the Intercontinental Cup final. I, I loved the way that they had those Scottish guys and uh, Kenny Douglas, etc. I watched a few games and it was all Liverpool because they were the team in the 80s. So I, I sympathize with them. And, and then when I when I moved to England, I started going to Anfield. And the first time I heard, you never walk alone with hairs in my arm, just when I said, okay, yeah, I got I to support these guys somehow. But I, I'm a Flamengo fan. I'm, 
when Liverpool played Flamengo in the World Championship final, I was swearing at every player. Alisson, <laughs> Fabinho, Virgil van Dijk. I was calling them every name under the sun. No problem. When they won the Premiership, I was in tears. Like, oh, finally, yeah, but but they, they, this is the English side of me. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the, the side of me. But, but some Arsenal supporters, in my opinion, think that those years in the, in the late uh, in the late nineties and early 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 two thousands, including the Invincibles, which was an amazing achievement that I wish Liverpool was able to emulate. Some got too cocky, mm-hmm. rightfully, but also it, it became something like there was. Get, that was taken for granted and I didn't like that much. Amazing club, amazing stadium, uh, with an amazing history. I'm never going to downplay them. But it's a surprising because I haven't met as many United supporters that are as cocky as Arsenal supporters sometimes. So I think... Have to agree. I th- <laughs> <laughs> that might be a North-South thing. That might be, might be a North-South thing. But I think you, you touched on something, which is that Arsenal fans were so taken with that team and the football that we played at that time that when things started to go south under Arsene that's why you saw a reaction as violent as as you did because expectations uh, were, were so high that the fan base almost couldn't bear seeing a team settle for for fourth and, and Champions League and blah, blah, blah. and now I think now I think I've started to see people really take stock and realize like what that man was doing to to keep the team at, at the level that he was that they were at for that, all that time was that incredible was... and like you know a few years removed from that and you see how difficult it, it can be and united saw was, the same the, thing the, the, the guy was 10 minutes away from winning the champions league with Arsenal. come on i was you know <laughs> it's, it's really funny that that champions league campaign is the one that arsenal played the most defensive football I had seen them playing in, mm-hmm. in ages in terms of like playing away, the game against Villarreal being one of the examples. They did sit back. And it was a shame they never won it because they had such a great team. Mm-hmm. That, that in, the, in the early 2000s, you had to admire what they did. I, I, I still remember that goal that Wiltord scored against United. Why, why are you and, bringing this up? Because it was almost like watching Brazil 1970, the way the ball was being passed around. It was beautiful to watch. But you know what, the, what? what's scary about that goal is he goes in and then he celebrates by sliding on his knees and, and pumping his fist, right? And then Kanu jumps over him and he's a millimeter over the fist. It could have been an absolute disaster. I, it I would could have, have been. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and, well, United being biggest rival, etc. Do I think the United winning the Premier League all the time was a... a, a, a Incredibly annoying, yes. <laughs> but how can how can you not admire what the club did? That club didn't have a, ma- a massive injection of cash out of nowhere. That club had to rebuild themselves from from horrendous situations. They were relegated for heaven's sake. They had the team dying in an air crash, etc. So you know you've got to respect the history of these guys. And, and even Ch- Chelsea? Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say you can respect anyone but Chelsea, but actually no, we can respect Chelsea but not City. <laughs> well, you know what, Chelsea? It wasn't just Abramovich pouring money there. They, they. I went to the training center, training ground in, in near London, and you think you're walking into McLaren or, or or some Formula One thing. It looks like a futuristic stuff, mm. you know. And, and every player, Brazilian player who played there, and and, and I had a chance to talk to Luis, for instance, and William. They had nothing bad to say about the club's infrastructure. You know, it's 
it's incredible that they did something of that. I don't want to judge City because it, it, it didn't happen a long, long time ago, you know. But it, it is it is a, a, a big amount of money. It did rescue a, a club that was flirting with the, with the third division, put that club back into the into the into prime time. It was a different model of investment, but they still haven't won the Champions League. So I I I I, I also think that uh, people sometimes t tend to get a bit frisky with City for unfair reasons. You know, we're not going to go into the FFP discussion because they were exonerated. That the, the, the law spoken, the, the, the massive, the, the, the biggest court in sports exonerated them. So we, we move on. So let's just uh, let's just quickly finish talking about the uh, the FA Cup. Bernie, did you have any thoughts on that? I, I, I think who did, who did you want to win? Did you care? So you know my hatred for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost on par with my hatred for Liverpool, mainly because <laughs> the two of you, Mo and Alex, on here are Arsenal fans. But for once in my life, I wanted Arsenal to win. And thank you, sir. And the reasoning is uh, Fernando touched on it a little bit. I'm a very petty human being, okay? And <laughs> and you you mentioned it. Uh, with the Frank Lampard thing, I'm. I think that the English media overdoes the praise for Frank Lampard. I'm. I. I'm not. I, I like balance. I think in the balance of things, I like Arteta. I like him, like you know, as a young coach better. I think Solskjaer got a bad rap, and I think some other managers don't get as much praise as Frank Lampard does. When mainly he's done decent jobs, but not world-beating jobs. So on a pure pettiness level, <laughs> I wanted Arteta and Arsenal to win. So I was actually quite quite happy with the win. Fair enough. I, I I saw a lot of Chelsea fans complaining about the refereeing, and like I, I don't really get into the the, the complaints about refereeing because I just find it boring generally. But like there there did seem to be a lot of decisions that that they could have had issue with. Fernando, what what did you think about that? I didn't like. I thought the second yellow card was a bit harsh. Yeah. Well, it happens. It happens. Unfortunately, VAR is not designed for that. If he had a chance to look at the at the, at the thing again, I'm, I'm, probably he did it, but anyway. <laughs> but at the time, if there was a chance to revert the card, I think it would be receiving. But at, at that time, Arsenal were on top already and they had a better game. Mm. I mean, uh, uh, Lampard was really, really unlucky with the injury to Pulisic. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the fact that he, I think they did what they could in that game. Arsenal, what, if they played an organized way, the ball. Got to Abumayan, a bit, a bit, a bit, my young. It was always gonna end up what he did because he's 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 a forty class. He's Italian. The Italians would say he's 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 a, he's a world class player. Which, by the way, your club now have to throw, you know, maybe a statue or an an, an eternal, you know, corporate box office uh, uh, box place uh, <laughs> at the Emirates to make his state, but. I think in the balance of things, it was the fairest result. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, as I would, but even objectively, I, I think Chelsea didn't do it. And Lampard even said so afterwards. You know, he said he was aggrieved by a couple of decisions, but he said we didn't play well enough to win it. And I think that's that's right. Um, speaking, I mean, yeah. the penalty was a penalty. 100%. The penalty was a penalty. Yeah, you know, you know, Spiliqueta was outrun by the, by the guy and had to hang on. Onto him like some kind of a, 
judo fighter or something <laughs> like that. And uh, I was happy for Louise as well. Yeah. How, how do you do you know him well? Well, yes, yes. We, we, we I, I've spoken to him a couple of times. I've been to his house because he used to always give interviews at his house. And uh, yeah, you know, I've I've spoken to him a lot of times. And uh, when right after the seven one, when he had all the reasons in the world to run away from the stage and 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 and, and buy a disguise or something like that, he turned up in in the in the in the mixed zone at the stadium. And he was basically, he said, okay, come on, you guys want to lane to me, do it. And I, and I thought that was really brave. Many other players perhaps would have avoided that. And I had my, my utmost respect for a guy who basically still stands to, to talk to the media after the worst night of his career. And don't get me wrong, nothing will ever be bad for him, as bad for him as that night. He was captain in Brazil. He was responsible for... <laughs> But of a number of goals and, 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 you know, it wasn't his most amazing performance ever. But it's not for me to say that he's a bad player at all. I saw that guy play a Champions League final with half a leg and still mark out out of the game a guy who was scoring almost 40 goals a season and Mario Gomez and take a penalty in a penalty shootout. So I, I have time for, for Luis. So I was happy to see him winning. Do I think he, he, he sometimes is what Gary Neville said, uh, uh, like a player controlled by a, a PlayStation player controlled by a kid. Yes, but it's part of his passion for the game. Yeah. You know, he's, he's finding his, 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 his good game at an age where many people would have said, I'll go back to Brazil, etc." And, and, and he was useful for Arsenal this season. So I'm, I'm, I'm also very petty when it comes to uh, David Luiz. And, and the reasoning is, I told these guys at Arsenal that if this is the type of player that you're signing, you're in trouble. It's not about David Luiz himself. It became that, like me and Ramos, but that's a different thing. But it's more the profile of player. And now we're seeing them linked to Willian. For me, if you're an upwardly mobile team, you have to get away from the David Luizes because he would make a lot of mistakes, as we said. But you need a different profile of player. And he did cost them, but... It was kind of nice to see him stand up tall. It's the semi-final for me, I think, was better than even the final from a David Luiz standpoint. I thought he was a mess against City. And I think there was another game, Alex, where he was really good um, against a big team, which I can't remember now. I think it was the Liverpool game in the league, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, think, I, think, I, think, I think it might have been that one. Yeah. He, he's, he's a complicated... Well, actually, he seems a fairly simple fairly simple character, but but people's reaction to him are complicated in that... You know, Bernie, you like defenders who defend first, and I understand why, from that perspective, you would obviously have issues with, with the way Luis conducts himself on the pitch sometimes. But as Fernando said, he's also someone that fronts up immediately. So he's someone who is who is volatile, who will make mistakes, but he's also, he's also as far as I understand, a leader and and someone who will, who is good for the players around him. So when, you know, I, I don't disagree in terms of if you're trying to build your, your club and your squad, do you really want to go for 32, 33 year old David Luiz? But Arsenal just lost Koscielny and they wanted someone to step into that old centre-back uh, experience leader kind of role. And he was available, you know? Oh, well, we, we do know that he plays better in a line of three now. Yes. I saw him play, uh, what I always thought of Luis is like he needs to play with a guy who's really, really serious, really kind of like on the ball, like like Thiago Silva. He and Thiago Silva had one of the best partnerships for, for Brazil that I've seen in a long time. 
Mm-hmm. And they were very unlucky that Thiago got that second yellow card against Colombia in the World Cup and didn't play the couldn't play the final because Luis had to switch his position in the in the back four and play alongside Dante, who was thrown into the ring, and what and again played in a different way for Bayern, and all of a sudden was thrown into a World Cup semi-final against the guys he knew because mm-hmm. half of the of the German team. So he was all exposed, and unfortunately, Luis is not that kind of player who you call the responsibility in a, in in a, in, a, in, a, in a back four. But mm-hmm. uh, you know the guy, the guy and, and the guy can take a free kick. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's true. It's true. If if I, if I was if I had managerial powers, I would start using him just like Barcelona started using Edmilson at some point mm-hmm. as a, as a holding midfielder. And he, he played there. there a few times at Chelsea, didn't he? He played uh, like, as a defensive midfielder in some games, but they required it. So. It, yeah, I, I remember like two or three occasions and th- there was always talk about how that might be a better position for him because it would take him out from, from being the last line of defence. But, yeah. um, but Bernie, you touched on, on Willian and since we were just talking about Arsenal and Chelsea and since there are more rumours today, uh, Fernando, uh, what's what's the latest with, with Willian? From, from what I understand, he's rejected another deal with Chelsea and Arsenal seems to be on the table. Yeah, Arsenal seems to be on the table. William, uh, I, I always get confused because here the teams are singular in, in England and in North America they are, sorry, in England they are plural, in North America they are, they are singular. So, sorry if I get my grammar all over the place. Listeners, I do apologize. Uh, I, 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 yeah, there is definitely, there are definitely conversations from what I gathered just before the, come to talk to you guys. He seems to have rejected a two-year deal from Chelsea, which is quite surprising because what I knew is that they were insisting on a year extension and they up to two years. And it's it's a bold move for, for, from him and, and for Arsenal. But I think it makes sense because he still has importance in the game. He proved that for Chelsea and he even proved that for Brazil. He's a useful guy. Not saying that he's going to command an amazing campaign, but he can still whack a good, a good, a good shot, and he can still put a good cross in. So it could be useful for Arsenal. And, and in the moment, what they need some kind of like a guys of mileage as well. I don't know. It depends on Arteta, of course, on how Arteta would like to use him. Probably he has an idea if he's negotiating with Arsenal, negotiating with him. But it's an interesting move. It seems a bit strange to me, mostly because I think I I read somewhere it's a three-year deal potentially that Arsenal have. They're trying to put on the table because, like you said. He's rejected a two-year at Chelsea, and I thought he plays in the same place as Pepe. I thought you would put stock into making sure that Pepe brings consistency next season, but then you're going to pay him a good wage for three years and get yourself in a position where if he doesn't work out, you can't get rid of him. I'm not sure it makes... like If he was coming for cheaper, I could understand it, but for three years, that sounds a lot to me. Yeah, but it's a free transfer, isn't it? Is it yeah, it, it would be a free transfer. It's just uh, the the thing, you know, from from an Arsenal perspective is that everyone's worried, you know, you've got Meza Ozil who can't move on £350,000 a week. Aubameyang, if he stays, is going to be well, close to that, 300 probably, to keep him there. Um, and so, we, you know, it, people are, are hesitant as to whether you want to throw more money, you know, more top-level money at, at someone who's, who's a bit older. But, and he does put, like, Right now, he plays in the same position as Pepe. I could kind of see him, you know, if Arteta wanted to wanted to go back to the four two three one and use someone as a ten, because Ozil is clearly not in the plans. 
And as William ages, maybe you take him out from wide and bring him into the middle so there's less running up and down. Arsenal need a bit of creativity. I could see him in that role. The squad is not that deep as well. If, if, if we're going to take Arsenal back, I mean, they're going to have to play in the Champions League. They're not playing Europe, right? Like they, if, the, you, I don't know, they Europa are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, the Europa League now. Yeah, Europa League is, is a shortcut to the Champions League these days. So, you know, you get a, a better squad. Uh, we might have a chance because they need to chase top four or the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, or Europa League. you got to have players for that. Because if you have a thin squad, it's it's not gonna gonna cut you. I see, I understand all the concerns. I saw on Twitter somebody saying, "Well, but uh, but Sanchez is is, is 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 available for only seven million. I don't I don't think it's that easy to get Sanchez to go back to to come back to Alexa. To, yeah. Oh oh oh, oh, oh no oh no. <laughs> I wouldn't and, even wish that on them. Oh no, no. Hell of a player. Apparently, Inter are keen on signing him for forever now. I think. I hope so. Right. I, I really hope so. Yeah, I, from a United perspective, Inter being willing to spend money on him is a miracle. I think. But uh, but while we're talking about, oh, about okay. actually uh, actually at the moment we're speaking, there's there's news in Brazil that uh, the, the deal is already closed according to to a. Uh, uh, a website or an account called, uh, according to ESPN Brazil, ESPN Brazil is saying that William has already joined Arsenal. Oh. Now it's, a, yeah. And then he's not even going to play for Chelsea against Bayern Munich. Oh. ESPN Brazil claims that. It's, it's, it's Monday at uh, 10 to 8 local time in England. Yes. Yes. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah. if you hadn't heard that news before, uh, whenever you're listening to this, that's some breaking news for you. Never Thank happened to us before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, th- that's an interesting thing. Apparently, City were also sniffing around. No. Yeah. Wow. Maybe they want a, a big brother for Ferran Torres or something. <laughs> interesting. All right. Um, while, while we're here, there, there's one other high-profile Brazilian whose future is very much undecided at this point. Uh, can we talk about Felipe Coutinho for a second? Yeah. What, it's, what, it's, what do you it's, think? What's what's going to happen with him this summer? It's it's so difficult to 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 even imagine that. I mean, uh, a, a while ago, you, you never expected him to leave Barcelona, and then it, it happened. It's 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 a, it's a tough one. I have no idea <laughs> what this player is going to do now. Uh, there's there's a story about uh, Newcastle. There was story a story about Chelsea. The fact is that Bayern don't want him anymore. He's returning to Barcelona as we speak, and then Barcelona doesn't really... Uh, it, the last news about him is that is that he will make a decision after the after Bayern's Champions League uh, Champions League campaign finishes. Uh, his, his, his agent is Kiyo right? He gave an interview to a Brazilian website and said, well... It's not a secret that he wants to go back to the Premier League if possible. So the the, the will is there, but it's not it's not an easy player to get to get back. You know, it, it was expensive. Barcelona will want to to uh, to re- recover some of the money. It's probably not cheap either to pay. So he's it, it, a victim of his own success. To to some extent, yeah. To some extent, in that. I think financially, but also 
he's somewhat of a victim of, of Liverpool's success in that he left and they got way better. And then he went to Barcelona and it it didn't really work out for him as much as they starred him in the in the Netflix documentary, as much as they put him front and front and center. Um and yeah, it's it's really difficult to to kind of find a spot for him. If you think about the teams that could afford him, uh, P, like a, a PSG linked, because it, it's going to take someone with elite kind of elite money, right? Yeah, but can't PSG just fork out that amount of money when when FFP is becoming a bit of an issue? It's a lot of money. I mean, uh, yeah. the, the, the yeah. Bayern's option to buy him was 120 million euros. So it's you know. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. I, I, yeah, it, it was a bit of this the same uh, Michael Owen curse, wasn't it? Michael Owen left for Madrid to play for trophies, and Liverpool won the Champions League in the first season. He was away. I think I think Coutinho's story was was a bit different because Liverpool there were signs that Liverpool were getting better. They lost the league to City in a technicality in that season that he was the Philippe Coutinho, you know. They, 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 they really had a chance to, to, win, to win the league. So it wasn't that the club was in, in decline as it was when Michael Lowe left. You know, mm-hmm. Liverpool winning the, the Champions League in 2005 was an outlier. It was one of those crazy years. That, uh, while uh, when, Cl- when Klopp took over, after Klopp took over, and etc., you could see there was, an, there was an improvement there. And even with Brendan, you know, what Brendan did, Brendan Rodgers did a, did a good job for Liverpool. They were a whisker away of winning, winning the trophy. Yeah. But by the way, I don't know if, Alex, if you said this or not, but by the time our listeners hear this, it might be done, but apparently the Inter-Alexis deal is actually done. Uh, Romano is saying it, and he's saying that they're going to pay the 390,000 euros a week for the first year, and then something reduced the next two years. There will be no fee. So, like, Nineiders are agreeing, as long as you take off the whole contract, there will be no fee. And they're paying him 400k a week the first year. That's what Romano said. That's, I I don't understand Inter Milan. There there were reports yesterday. um, In fact, I think Richie Romano tweeted as well something about Conte potentially leaving and Allegri taking over. Um, And Conte, I I think, has been reported as being unhappy with the ownership and what have you. But at least, uh, Fernando, tell me if you see this differently. But from the outside, it looks as if he's been well backed. That you know, last summer there was Sensi, Barella, uh, Ericsson in January, Ashley Young and Victor Moses. Whatever you think of them, you know, he asked for them and he got them. I don't know what more this guy wants. Well, it's it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you got to tell him there's got Lukaku as well, huh? Yeah, so, true. Uh, yeah, it's it's the talent seems to be there. I mean, they, it's just like. Teams in, in Italy seem to have a massive uh, psychological barrier. That even when Juve are not playing like Juve, they still haven't got that. Look at Lazio. Lazio, at, at some point in the season, they were actually on course to finally determine Juve and then they collapsed. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Juve hasn't, hasn't got an amazing team to do. Just look at, the, they look, look at the squad they got. But there's also a something that's preventing the competition from actually going there. And you've got I, teams that can that can present a proper challenge. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was going to ask if you think that something is mental or, or if you think it's, uh, you know, Calciopoli or something, something a bit more sinister. 
Well, listen, even before Coach Hopkins, you were, were already a, an amazing team in Italy. Come on. I mean, uh, it, it's... And Coach Hopkins, let's also remember that didn't only involve Juve, right? Oh, I know. <laughs> I like, yeah, a lot of we, other teams. We, we talk about it lightheartedly, but yeah. Uh, you know, uh, well, they're, they're the team everybody wants to hate, but they're a very successful organization. And and it, it's taking it's taking a while for them to dethrone them. And even before Juve were, were winning all these trophies, Inter won it seven times in a row or something like that. In one of, the, one of these years under Mourinho, they won the treble, the first Italian team to win the treble. So it, it's there. I, I don't know. It's may, may, maybe it's, it's a sheer quality of Juventus, but also I think there's something mental in there as well. How do you follow Brazilian talent all over Europe, Fernando, or just mainly the ones in the Premier League? Because I want to ask you about Gabriel at Lille, because all of a sudden he seems to be chased by everyone, and I never heard of this guy before. The defender? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him play a couple of games. You, you, you see that that what, is what we call serious defender, a guy who's very efficient. I, I only saw a couple of games. I uh, I did a couple of uh, uh, commentary and for, for, in, in the French league a couple, a couple of times over the past couple of seasons, and I, I you could see that the, the guy was interesting. Yeah, but. It, I, th I think the, the the way that people are going after him is because he's young, he's promising, and he's not very expensive as we speak. Mm -hmm. Even the amount of money they're talking about paying for him is nothing compared to... I mean, he, he, he's not going to cost what uh, Virgil van Dijk costs to Liverpool, for example. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Probably probably like a, a third of that, if, if that. But Yeah. Um, and that, and that's a good deal. The, the way football is crazy these days in terms of like uh, the, the value of players. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, Arsenal paid paid you know thirty ish for for Saliba, who's eighteen. Um, yeah. Spurs are being linked with uh, Kim Min Jae, Korean centre back who plays in China, and that's probably going to cost them twenty. Uh, you know, and and the Chinese Super League, as I've seen, compared to you know League One level. So uh, yeah, it, center backs increasingly difficult to find, increasingly difficult to buy for sure. Yeah, um, and, that, and that's and that's the new. They're still in a league where there isn't. If you want to stay in France, right, you either go to PSG or you get out of France. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, it is it is how it is these days. I mean, the league, it, it, unless something radical changes, it was going to be a, a, a league for PSG to to lose. I think I think they won almost every year in, in the in the in the last five or six years. They they, they only lost to, to Monaco or something like that. Yeah, and, and it's, you can get, you can get the best of them in a cup final or something like that. But over 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 a league, a league competition, they 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 have enough talent and resources to to outlast everybody. So if you're playing in France and these guys are not coming to talk to you, you know you you listen to whatever is going around, and the clubs will do the same. Clubs need money. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure that the TV money in France is anywhere as near as as as, as Spain or the, or, the, or the Premier League. So exactly. If I was any club right now, I would go to France and just cherry pick everyone. <laughs> like There's if you're so interested with talent. money, I would I would do that right now. Which is why I'm slightly excited by what I'm some of the rumors I'm hearing. 
<laughs> yeah, there's. Uh, I, uh, I I keep getting sidetracked by by players that I, I want Fernando's thoughts on. But so very very quickly, because we're going to do a quick Champions League preview, um, and we'll use PSG. And, and, let's, and let's also remember that French league has been a, 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 a has been cannibalized by by stronger leagues from you know from mm. the times you guys were all probably born in like, like the eighties and you. Platini when he went to Italy, you know, players used to be poached a lot. Perhaps oh, not yeah, as much yeah. as now. Yeah, perhaps not as much as now. But the, the talent was all was all abroad. I, I'm not I'm not quite sure that the the 1998 team, for example, that many of them played in in France. In fact, I think that from the starting eleven, only Kivash, the famous number nine, who didn't score a single goal in the World <laughs> Cup, was French based. I might mm. be wrong. People don't hate me on Twitter, but I remember that everybody was abroad. You think of, uh, oh no, I think Barthez was still in, right? You, I think he was Barthez. still at Monaco, but he then you had Luz Razou was at Bayern. Was Henri uh, at Juventus at that time, or had, or was that yes? He was, was. I think okay. Turam was was abroad as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Was a Juve at the time. Turam was abroad. Desai was abroad. Deschamps was abroad. Zidane was abroad. Petit. Was abroad, yeah. 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 Petit. bounced around Europe for a long time. Jokaf was playing for Inter Milan at the time mm. with Ronaldo. Yeah, mm. you know, so it's it's not it's not a novelty. So you know they they've been plundered for for, for 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 a couple of decades. For sure. All right. Um, Champions League preview. Then let's let's enter this uh, from a PSG lens because Fernando, I know you you've been watching them closely because of Neymar, of course. Um, <laughs> PSG's like raison d'etre at this point is to win the Champions League, right? Like it, mm -hmm. that's the only way to to judge them, uh, because as you said, the league is such a procession. Is this the <laughs> is this the year we ask every year? I would say I would be more sure about what they can do in normal times, right? If we're talking about home and away games, uh, if the t season hadn't been uh, stopped for for so long. You know, they, they, they didn't play for four months, proper competitive games, and you could see that they struggled a bit in the second uh, the second final. Actually, both finals, they, they, they played Saint-Étienne, they won 1-0, and, and the game against Lyon had to go to penalties. And remember, the Lyon also playing the Champions League so far. They, they, they have the advantage against Juventus today, as we speak. Uh, in, a normal, in a normal year, I would perhaps think that they could go, they, they could go for, they could go, Far, however, it's one game now, totally out of blue. They're going to play Portugal, something like that. The, the draw was kind in a way, but also put them against Atalanta, who had nothing to lose and who have given every big side in Italy this, this year a reason to worry. So they, 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 it could be it could be weird. You look at the at the at the at the, at the table, the Champions League table. They did a great first group stage. Uh, uh, campaign PSG 16 points beat Madrid 3 0. They, you know, they they didn't lose a game, they scored 17, considered two. Then there was a game against Dortmund, it was the real first test. They were out playing on the game, mm -hmm. they were they, they were, were way, you know, it was a bit weird game. Then they, they reverted the situation in the second game, they were much more assertive, they, they, they controlled the game much more. So I, I I thought before it stopped to say maybe, but now is I think it's, it's basically it's going to be a lottery for everybody. Eh? I'm not saying it's only for them, but they, but PSG they they have a problem. They 
they they they trust too much on that on that front four of them. They lack somebody who can you know link play midfield that can actually make things happen, and they they, they miss a playmaker in my opinion. Marco Verratti isn't that guy. He's a great player to have on the squad. Andres Herrera, not that player either. So they depend a lot on Neymar combining with Di Maria and with Pogba. Pogba, no, sorry. With, uh, what's Mbappe. his name? Mbappe, Mbappe. yes. <laughs> But he's, he was Mbappe, injured. He was injured. And, and yeah. according to the, the, the medical bulletins, he's not going to play. You know? And he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And even if he comes back, will he be this, the same guy who's been terrorizing defenses. So they, they have a real problem. They, the, the natural replacement is a guy called Pablo Sarabia, who is a great player, but he's not a world-class player. So they have a problem with that. Okay. Can I ask you about, about Neymar since we're here? Because, you know, from the outside, we thought when he moved from Barcelona that it was a really stupid thing to do. And we've read plenty of people who have said, you know, uh, He moved to get out of Messi's shadow. He moved to increase his chances of winning the Ballon d'Or if he won the Champions League with PSG. Um, and it looked, it looked, you know, not very long ago, like he wanted, he wanted out. He, he regretted it. He wanted to leave PSG. That seems to have maybe changed now. But from the Brazilian perspective, how did people feel about this transfer? Did it make sense at home? Did people understand it? People understood the the financial and the and the sporting challenge that he set himself up to. You know, the, I, I don't think anybody thinks uh, that, that the financial uh, deal with PSG wasn't a deal, wasn't a, one of the reasons that he, he decided to go to Paris. Of course, it's, it's, it's very good for him financially and and for 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 his peers. That was a challenge of getting out of Messi's shadow. I think he wanted to prove himself as a player. He wanted to have... If you play alongside Messi, you're not going to win the Ballon d'Or. Put it this way, you're not. Because the guy is, you know, the guy is, When he's not the best on the pitch, everybody else will make him look the best on the pitch. But most of the time, I've got to say 97% of the time, he's the best footballer around. I love Ronaldo as well. I, th I would always vote for Ronaldo because Ronaldo wins stuff. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of technical, technical, in terms of art, you know, Messi is a, is a more gifted footballer in, in, in the sense of artistry. That's my, my opinion. But uh, so I, I think there were, it was a challenge for Neymar to do that. But there was, there was a big reckoning. First of all, the league in France wasn't anywhere as, 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 as challenging as in Spain. But also, let's remember, it's not like every year in Spain, Real Madrid and Barcelona are really threatened by the Atleticos and other. So a lot of the, 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 there was a lot of prejudice in terms of, because it's not like Spanish football is an open, yeah. it's an open, it's an yeah. open race all, all the time. It wasn't, wasn't even an open race between Real Madrid and Barcelona, if I haven't said. Yeah, he had, he had, everything to, he had everything to backfire, but his class. And his his numbers in, in, in Paris are, are proving that. And remember that he lost he, he lost a lot he missed out on a lot of games because he got injured before the World Cup, after the World Cup. The only thing that worried me about him was he was starting to get injured a lot, mm -hmm. which didn't happen before. Uh, thankfully, it hasn't happened for. I mean, he, he missed out on the Copa America, 
in last year. You, you know, in Brazil, had to win without him. Which, as a Brazilian guy, it was awesome to see that the dependency is not there as it was in fourteen. Mm-hmm. In fourteen, he carried the team on his back, and the, uh, and the moment that he got injured, the team dismantled psychologically. But you know, I I I think that if PSG win the Champions League this season. I don't see why Neymar shouldn't be considered uh, uh, a Ballon d'Or guy. And by the way, PSG are only going to win the league this season if Neymar plays, especially does what he he wants to do. He knows what to do. We're going to be clear about that. Would especially be, now with the Mbappe injury. Would he be considered for... I mean, there is no Ballon d'Or this year, but you know, let's say FIFA best because he'll probably be there. But would he be considered... I mean, I don't think he played that many games in the league, right? I don't, I don't remember. I think he was injured for a lot of it, if I'm not mistaken. But in the champ, like, if, like, would he win it just for winning the Champions League? Is, is my thing. I think, so. I think it would be such a. I mean, we're assuming that they do win the league, yeah. and then Neymar does something special, which I think, yes, you will have to do because, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, I love Kylian Mbappe, but he's not a good finisher. Anywhere as near as Neymar, in my mm-hmm. humble opinion. Uh, Mauri Cardi can have some really weird days. <laughs> Mauri, I mean, he, he, he missed he missed a, a couple of sitters again in a, in a press friend and I felt like, oh my god, really? I call him I call him the the Argentine killer, you know, <laughs> el matador argentino, because he is a finisher, but sometimes he's not there. He's yeah. He's usually very efficient, but yeah. Yeah, and and Di Maria, Di Maria is isn't the guy who's gonna finish as well. Although when PSG beat uh, Madrid three 0 was it, it was it was a Di Maria game because Neymar was injured and so was Mbappe. Di Maria pretty much orchestrated the demolition of Madrid. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I I think we we consider such a special thing, right? Um, if everything happens, that it, it will be very unfair not to consider him strongly for that, especially because well, unless Barcelona win it and Messi scores like a hat-trick in every match, etc. Right. Uh, and unless it's like this, because then you would say, okay, come on, Leo Messi, despite everything happening, he's still there. But it would be very, it would be very difficult to eclipse a PSG Champions League win. I think for the, for the, uh, Uniqueness, not the uniqueness, but for this the moment, you know, it feels like something people have been waiting for. You'd give it to him for that. But um, we have five minutes left. So speaking of something that people have been waiting for, um, something that I had never seen in my in my lifetime, uh, just happened. And you just mentioned that you are a Flamengo and Liverpool fan. Um, so uh, it pains me to do this, but I'm gonna be not. I'm not gonna be petty today. I'm just gonna say congratulations on winning the league. Um, but also, why don't you tell us what it meant to you as a Liverpool fan finally winning the league after bottling it so many times and and doing so after 30 years? Yeah. It was important because they had never won it. It's a great competition to win. It was weird that uh, amongst the, 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 the top four that they they were without a title for so long. But it wasn't my favorite Liverpool moment. If, if I want, you want me to choose, I'll choose Istanbul all the time. Because that was the against you all, against a large thing. It's a, I mean, it was pretty interesting to see how they did it. I mean, the way they just obliterated the competition. 
it, it wasn't anticlimactic at all. It was amazing to see a team that, with, with such a performance like that. Would I prefer to have won it in 2014 with Gerard? Yep. Because mm-hmm. that, 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 was, that, that would be, that, that was such a more competitive uh, season. Maybe even last season when they lost to City in the technicalities, it would have been more special under a sporting level. But the cathartic thing with the city, the value for this for the city and for the hardcore supporters and the guys that grew up loving the club, that don't have another club, that they, they, they haven't just adopted Liverpool. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty special. I felt really emotional to, to see how Jurgen Klopp was touched by that, uh, how it meant so much for him, even though he's German, you know, he, he, even though that guy c- could have won the, won the, the, Premier, uh, the, the Bundesliga with, with, uh, with, with Dortmund, there was a whisker for winning a Champions League with Dortmund, still meant so much for him that he delivered, helped deliver that, uh, that, that achievement. But emotionally speaking, the, the, the day that I... Two nights that I that I that I that, that, that I almost went insane with Liverpool Istanbul and the semi final against Chelsea because I was at Anfield at that game. Mm. And I just remember kind of like six or which one was it? No, two thousand and five. So because okay. there were sorry Chelsea fans are twice. No, the ghost go one. Because that was the best, the biggest display of a crowd I've ever seen in my life. Even and I've been to them to a, a, a crowd in Maracanã. I've watched Flamengo win games with 150,000 people Maracanã. Nothing was comparable to what I saw at Effort on that day. The stadium was shaking. The, 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 the energy was there. The, the, the was amazing. So, there you go. You, you're asking me about Neymar's numbers. 24 matches, 19 goals. Not bad, yeah? It's not bad. Not bad. That's not bad. 10 assists. <laughs> it's very, it, actually, it's, overall at PSG, it's 70 goals in 82 games. It just feels like it's not enough games to me. You know, like he played uh, a Champions League four games, three goals, two assists. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Can you t- talk to us about Roberto Firmino for a second? Because he's a player that divides a lot of opinion, not only on the the Koshcast, we're kind of split two two on him. Um, but yeah, social media is a bad place to take any kind of uh, any opinion. But there are so many people who have a go at him for the lack of goal scoring. So I, I'm interested to to see where you stand on that too. I find this, I find people really funny. The guy netted 10 goals in the Champions League in, in the year that the Liverpool uh, lost to Madrid in the final. Uh, it's, it's more than football. You know, a, a huge amount of goals is not going to only be important. I mean, of course, the, the end, the goal of football is to score a, a, a goal, but the guy's incredibly important. His movement is. is, is just positioning. I I, I do understand. I do not understand why people complain so much of him this season. To be honest, you know. I think uh, I think part of it is just. I think you know, as as Alex said, football is about banter and, and, and pettiness. And I'm on the I'm on myself and Mohamed are on the. We're, we're not big fans, and for me, if a player doesn't score a single, like he scored one goal at home this whole season. <laughs> I, I, I think it's reasonable to expect more from a from a, a, a striker than to score only one goal at home, and I think that's really what the criticism is, and it gets blown up into something that it isn't, that it shouldn't be. You know, Fernando, if you're not here, we're bantering him. That's just how it's going to be, right? Like we're opposition fans, and that's how football is. But no, 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 that's I think, fine. That's fine. I'm, I think I expect I expect a lot more from 
I don't care who it is, scoring one only one goal at home, I expect a lot more. Is it is it unreasonable for people to expect more from a striker who only scores one goal at home all season? No, no, no. It's absolutely reasonable, but it's still a season where the team flew. You know, mm-hmm. is it still a season that he the, the, he, he he still left a bit of a mark there? He still scored what nine goals? You know, something like oh, that. Horrendous eight assists. Not, nothing, nothing horrendous, you know, and, uh, and and even in the Champions League before Liverpool knocked out in such a pathetic way, in my opinion, you know, he he finished the Champions League with four assists in eight games. So, hmm. yeah. yeah, I don't know. For for me, it came, it came down to there was a game recently. Uh, you know, Liverpool had already won the league, so Klopp didn't play him, but the Liverpool were horrendous in the first half. I can't even remember who it was against, but then he he brought he brought Firmino on, and everything just switched like that. The, the, t- the way the team played, everything just started to work. And you could see why. You could see his importance yeah, that way. He's a machine. And also, he scored a winning goal in the World Club Cup final. Bastard <laughs> against my team. I mangle. I shouted at him so much. And, and, you know, it, it's a player that's going to play for the team, you know. it's it's If you, if you look at uh, what he did, I mean, in, in the club, in, in the seasons he's been there, you know, fundamental guy. Perhaps sure. not as prolific as you would expect him to be, but hey ho. Yeah. yeah. You know, the guy's the guy's a nightmare to 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 to, to watch. Between the lines. He lives between the lines. So yeah. so let's let's round up with uh really quickly a bit of a quick fire. Uh who is what so who would you say was the Premier League signing of the season? Like new signing oh, came Inks. into the league. Danny Inks. Good shot. I know you want was I know it, you want me to say was it this season he came to Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You want me okay. to you want me to say Bruno Fernandes, right? I mean, it is, well, but Danny Ings a great shout. So <laughs> I have I have no problem with Danny Ings at all. None. Value, value, you know, pound for pound. I mean, to Danny Ings. Geez, look, look how Southampton were when mm-hmm. they were. I think they lost like twenty-seven nil at the mid at the middle of the season, and <laughs> and, and, and and they ended respectfully. So you know, in that as value for money, yeah, but option, it's. Bruno Fernandes arrived at United is almost there in terms of like uh, importance because it's another team. United were another side with Fernandes in, and you might even say that the, the fact that they reached the Champions League has, has a lot to do with the arrival of Fernandes. But I, I, I love when signings are not all around the big clubs, etc. Mm-hmm. So let's let's say. For for the importance of of the of the for it, for its impact in the bigger world of football is Fernandes without a doubt because imagine United missing out on the Champions League again, huh? <laughs> but poetically speaking, it's Danny Ings. I I, I agree hundred percent. Like Danny Ings, I wanted him to win the the, the uh, goal, golden top goal scorer just because it would have been a better story than Vardy, even though there's a story there. But Danny Ings, after all those injuries, oh my god, that would yep. have been amazing. It really would. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with any of that. I, I mean, I'm a little bit surprised you didn't pick Joe Ellington, but, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> so who? I, I guess uh, the last question is, who is your player of the season? And I know it's going to be from Fred. Liverpool, so who's a Liverpool player? Fred! Fred! Fred. Strength. Strength, Ale. Oh, Trent. Oh, Zano I thought Zano you said Gino. Fred. No, it's Ano Gino. Ano Gino was... I mean, come on. <laughs> 
look how many the guy was like uh, he had an assist every five minutes or something like that you know it was, well yes one of the best left uh, right backs i've ever seen yeah. yeah, I mean, he's basically he's basically just a creative midfielder playing from right back. Yeah, Is it the same exactly. way like Marcelo doesn't play at left back? He plays from left back. Trent's the same. Like it, yeah, exactly. he just starts there. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I, I honestly really... thought you said Fred, and I was scared for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, difficult, difficult decision. I mean, because there were so many important players. I, I know that Jordan Henderson had a fundamental role this season. Uh, you could say that even Alisson. I mean, in, in nowhere in the world, I think Alisson's a worse keeper than Edison. But the number of clean sheets is what decides the, you know... He's definitely I, I better than I, Edison. Definitely. Uh, uh, it's not as error-prone as Edison. As long as Alisson is alive and fit, Edison will never be number one for Brazil because of the difference of quality. Mm-hmm. He's a hell of a keeper, don't get me wrong. But there's, yep. there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a difference between these guys. And I also would... I think Kevin De Bruyne. Yep. Jesus, mm-hmm. what a player. The mm-hmm. only reason why you don't pick him as, as a player of the season is because he finished so behind Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, if it was like a, a tighter competition, you could even be even in with a shout. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's got to be Trent because he didn't do what was expected from the right back. You know, and that's, that's, the, that's why mm-hmm. my vote is. And it's not because he's from Liverpool. He's a Liverpool player, etc. It had to be from Liverpool anyway, so you're okay. Yeah, <laughs> you're okay. It depends, man. I mean, the, the year where in which Liverpool uh, lost the title to, to City for like a, a point or something, would you not pick Salah as as uh, as, as a player of the season for for everything that he did? For, for example, you'd be within a shout. Not always the the winner has to to, to come from the wasn't it, wasn't it Van Dijk last season. I thought it was random. No, 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 no. The, he, the, the amazing season he had when he scored. Oh, like, the one before? Oh, yeah, yeah. The one before. Yeah, the one before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Which, okay. by the way, was I think Chelsea won the one. Sorry, I, I confused my marbles here. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, Van Dijk last year. I mean, the guy wasn't dribbled for the whole season. You know, it, it, it goes beyond club callers. I, 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 saw, I had the pleasure of watching one of, of, of uh, De Bruyne's uh, prime matches as a as a Belgian as, as as a player which was against Brazil in the World Cup and it just feel like whoa you're watching something special here. Mm-hmm. It just makes it look so it. easy. Yeah. It just it, everything it, looks it, so it, easy. It, 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 I mean and and is anybody under any doubt that City will come back firing next season? No. No no no, no. no nobody's on the fight. They have a hell of a team. They have Harry Sterling who's a hell of a player who when he left Liverpool could have left the club in, in, in dire straits and Liverpool really lucky to have found a way to make up to to such a huge loss. He's a hell of a player for England as well. You know, I, I, I'm very excited about next year because I, I think this season was an outlier. I don't believe anybody's going to run away with the league again like that. Mm. I do not believe unless something... You have to have a conjunction of factors that are really special. Some teams should be rebuilding, some teams should be... Uh, Adrift a bit like the case of Arsenal, Chelsea with a transfer ban, and even City losing. I, I don't think City lost uh, nine games in two seasons at some, at some point recently. So, you know, it's, it, it was pretty special. And obviously, not taking the merits away from Liverpool, who played everybody out of the park. But yeah. next season is going to be different. I, I really hope we have a more competitive season. And, uh, 
it goes to the wife because that's what people want to see. Nobody wants to relax. Uh, maybe United fans, they were used to winning the league sometimes with five rounds to go. But isn't it just special? And in the final day of the season, you don't bloody know what's going to happen. That's, I, I think nothing yep. beats the, that, not beats the, 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 that kind of thing. Flamengo, my, my team in Brazil, they won the league twice in the last uh, 10 years. 10 years now, 11 years. They won in 2009 on the last day of the season. And this, this season, they won it with four games spare. They won it really easy. Everybody knew they were running away with the league. Ask me which one I love the most. Was the, was the one that they won like in the last gasp, and in that year they were in the they were fourteenth on the table at some point. They mounted the mother of all comebacks and and did it. Everybody likes drama and and you know the edge of a heart attack in football. Otherwise, we don't like this. Look at the words for supporters and everywhere in the world. Everything has to do with fans, fanatics. Tifosi in Italian, people with mm-hmm. tifoid fever. Torcedores in Brazil, which mean people twisting their hands in the. And every every word for 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 supporter has denotes some kind of of suffering. So we we need suffering to sports. It's like the it's NBA, true. the last time buzzer that kind of stuff. It's true. It's true. It's what we live for. Can't deny it. All right, listen, Fernando. It's been an absolute pleasure. We need to leave it there. Thank you so much for your time. Right, we we could honestly do this for hours, but we'll have to get you back on uh, to, to to keep to keep going. So thank you once again. If you can just take a look at something that's, that you might think that sounds really controversial and might get me horrendous hate mail, let me know. But I stand by whatever I said. I think it's... I just don't want people saying... Anyway. We don't get much hate mail, so I think you should be all right. <laughs> Or should I put a disclaimer? Those are my personal opinions. No, no, you're good. No, no just I'm say not... those are the opinions of the BBC. We'll leave it. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fernando, thank you so Bye, much. Man. And we'll we'll chat again soon. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. Thank you.